Do you have any friends who are fickle? Perhaps they agree to meet you at a certain place in time and then later they change their mind or they have a deal with you and then they break it or they make some plans or goals and then they don't keep it. Uh, perhaps we don't just have friends who are fickle, but maybe we are fickle sometimes ourselves. Hosea chapter 6, that's what we're looking at today, talks about the fact that Israel and Judah were fickle. Uh, for one moment, they would seem to follow God, and then another moment, they wouldn't. So this passage reminds us, let us not be fickle in our relationship with God. Let us be steadfast. So it's a very practical chapter. Uh, this video will be a very short one because the chapter is short. We're just going to take a few key lessons from Hosea 6. So let's see what God has to say to us from his word. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. So we'll stop there, but we'll, we'll continue in a moment. So in the first three verses, <clears throat> it looks like Israel is saying, Israel and Judah are saying, let's return back to the Lord, right? Because they'd been warned from the prophet um, in the previous chapter, talked about the judgment that was going to come, and God said, earnestly seek after me. And so the people respond to that, and it looks like they respond well. Oh, God's warning us to return to him. Okay, we will return to him. He's disciplined us. Let's come back to him for healing. He struck us down, but he will bind us up. And so look, he's going to heal us. He's going to raise us up so that we can live before him, so that everything can be as before. We can have a good relationship with him. And so they say, look, he's going to bless us. Basically, he will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. So on the outside, it looks like that Israel and Judah have a good response. They're like, yeah, we've heard God's warning and we're going to come back to him. We're going to repent and everything will be hunky-dory. I think that's the first time I've ever used that word in any of these videos. Okay, so this is what they're saying. They're saying, yeah, we'll go back and everything will be fine. What does God say? God says, your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. So it seems that Many times, Israel and Judah, they attempted some kind of self-reformation. Perhaps after prophets' warnings, like in Hosea 5, they would publicly declare their allegiance to God. And we know this, this is the case, like, for example, after Elijah's challenge to Baal, and the people see that Baal is not real, right? Because Baal doesn't send the fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Yahweh does. So the people turn to Yahweh, but their turning back to him is short-lived. And so there, there are a few of these very short-term revivals when people seem to turn to God, but then very soon they turn to uh, false gods and to idols again. This is quite common, and it happens these days too. Uh, after the catastrophe of September 11, 2001, when the terrorists dis uh, destroyed the World Trade Centers and hit the Pentagon, then church attendance in the United States uh, spiked up people were seemingly turning to God. There was some kind of a revival, but it didn't last long. It didn't last long. And so a lot of times people attempt to turn over a new leaf. They're like, oh, something in their life is happening, some difficulty, struggle, trial, and this 
external circumstance pushes them to God. And they're like, oh, yeah, I need to follow God. I need to get help from God. And so maybe they go to church for a while and they start reading the Bible or doing these things. But oftentimes, they then slowly forget about him and then things get back to normal. So if the Holy Spirit has not regenerated someone's heart, if there's not a real repentance where someone abandons their previous way of life and says, I want to follow after God, and they have a sincere motivation and a true change of heart and the Holy Spirit changing them, then it won't last. And so some people who attempt some self-reformation or turning over a new leaf, they find it doesn't hold. People are fickle. And a lot of times they're not truly committed to following after him. And so that's what we see here. A morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. A morning cloud comes and it looks like it's going to rain. And so for an agricultural-based society, they would be very familiar with these, um, these pictures about a cloud and the dew. And okay, rain is coming, but then it just goes away. And it doesn't bring any water. It doesn't bring any sustenance. It doesn't help at all. And so God knew their heart. They weren't yet genuine. They hadn't yet truly repented and turned to him. Whatever they were doing was superficial and on the outside. They hadn't had a real change of heart. So we remember again and again in these passages that God looks at the heart. And so it says, look, God's judged them. And many died in judgment because of their disobedience to God's words. So verse 6 is a very famous one. And Jesus quoted it also in Matthew 9.13. He says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So some translations translate this steadfast love as loyalty. Um, when it went uh, through Aramaic and then to Greek and back to English in Matthew 9.13, it's translated as mercy. Whichever word is chosen, the point remains, God cares about the motivations of the heart more than the outward actions. So people could go, they could offer sacrifices to him every day of the year, but if they didn't love him and were not loyal to him and were not steadfast to him, it would be meaningless. And in fact, in the book of Malachi, the people bring sacrifices and God did not appreciate their heart. And he said, I would rather just close the temple than continue to receive these sacrifices. Let's just let the temple go out of business because I know your heart and it's not genuine. You see, the sacrifices were not the end goal. It wasn't about the ruse of offering sacrifices. The sacrifice was meant to show people the seriousness of their sin and point them to the fact that they needed help. They needed to go to God for forgiveness. They couldn't save themselves. Sacrifices showed the seriousness of sin. And it should have instilled in them an appreciation for God's mercy. But it just become a rule to follow. The idea seems to have been, you know, go do your sin then come back and offer a sacrifice, everything will be fine. But God is saying, everything is not fine. Everything is not fine. The heart of worship is so important. Jesus said to worship in spirit and in truth. Do we do the same thing? Do we just follow God on the outside through some kind of external religion or external rule? Oh, it's Sunday, so we go to church. Oh, the offering bag is coming around, so we give the offering. And people are watching. So we talk spiritually and look different. 
Are we following God from our heart or just because of tradition? Is it just a ritual or are we doing it out of sincerity? God desires steadfast love to love him. And Jesus said, those who love me will obey my commandments. God wants us to love him, not to just have religion. It's about relationship with him, not about religion. So how does this principle apply today? Are there any rules that perhaps maybe you follow externally, but maybe your heart isn't committed to God? Anything could be like that. Even we, we could be worshiping God in church, singing out loud, but not from our heart. Maybe we're considered considering more the, the tune, you know, keeping in tune, not embarrassing ourselves, or, you know, sounding nice for others around us, or even just lip singing so that people will see, oh yeah, he's singing, and not, not, uh, not judge us. What about when we give an offering? You know, the Pharisees and the rich people gave a lot of offerings to God, but they waved it around and made sure that people saw it so they would say, wow, yeah, he's really spiritual. We shouldn't do that. I saw a picture of a person who donated money for an earthquake. But his picture was in the paper and he had all the money fanned out in his hands. And it's a big fan. Here's all the money I gave. Uh, I heard a quote recently. Um, basically, the quote was, it was about humility. And it was basically, do as much good as you can and make as little noise about it as you can. So do good, but don't go around making noise about it. So sometimes it's just noise. These these good things can become just noise, just just ritual to actually draw attention to ourselves and show people how good we are. God is not interested in that. He sees our heart. And and Jesus said, those who do such things have the reward in full. What what reward do they have? Well, men look at them and respect them. We're, we should not be looking for reward from man or respect from man. We should be looking to please God. So this is what he desires. I desire steadfast love. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings, love of God, fear of God. But they are faithless, says, but like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt faithlessly with me. And verses 7 through 10 describe more about Israel's treachery. Um, they're bloody, they are thieves, <coughs> and they're, they commit murder, they commit villainy, and they commit adultery and immorality. They broke God's covenant. They're breakers of the covenant. So there's really nothing good to say about them. And so God's going to bring judgment. What is the warning for us? The warning is God looks at your heart. God sees why you do what you do. He sees the same thing for me. So we need to always ask ourselves, why are we doing this? And I found it very helpful. Like, for example, before I go to church on Sunday with my family, that I ask myself, why are we doing it? And that try to have a time of prayer each time before church and pray and say, God, please prepare my heart to receive what you have for me today. Help me to serve you uh, with the right attitude, not, not for my own face, not for my own reputation, but for you, and to have a time of preparing before I come. Because I've noticed that Sunday is is a time of attack too. Like I have four kids, and we have to get all our kids fed and clothed and you know first up on time and ready to go to get to church on time. 
And sometimes there can be stress and tension, and sometimes even bickering and quarreling, and we just are rushing all to go. What about the heart? Is our heart in the right place? Because all of these external things, all of the clothing and the looking nice and the combing of hair, it doesn't mean anything unless our heart is in the right place. Is your heart in the right place? I would encourage you to think of that even as we uh, come near to the end of Hosea chapter 6. The last phrase I want to bring out here because it's very important. He says, when I restore the fortunes of my people. What a beautiful thing. So throughout Hosea we see, okay, judgment's coming. But God's also there. And again we see he will restore. God will one day restore the fortunes of his people. The rebellion will not last forever. His judgment will not last forever. One day they will return to him and he will accept them. And of course Jesus came to bring the salvation from God to them. And if you study through the Bible, like Romans 11 and other places, we can see that Israel will one day have a restoration when many people from the nation of Israel will come to the Lord and will actually believe in him and be saved through Christ. And so this restoration is still there and it's still waiting and it's still promised for God's chosen people. So as we finish today, let's think of how does this apply to us personally? First of all, if we ourselves are following religion and our heart is not there, that's the first place we need to look. Let us get our heart right with God and go for the right reasons. And second, maybe there's someone in your life who has been rebelling against God. Perhaps you think that that person is too far gone. There's no way this person could come back to God at this point. They are a prodigal. They've gone too far away. Remember, God can change hearts. Here, he says he's going to restore his people. God can restore this person. God can change their heart. He is powerful enough to do so. So continue to pray. Resolve to pray regularly for this person's salvation, trusting that God can change them through the power of his Holy Spirit. So I hope that Hosea 6 is challenging for us to practice steadfast love and to serve God from our heart, not just practicing religious ritual. So if you would like to support the, the content and the message of this channel, and you want this this verse-by-verse -verse Bible study with a focus on practical application, you want this message to get out to more people, I would invite you to please like this video and please subscribe. Please leave a comment. All of these things can help tell YouTube that this, uh, this content should go out to more people and then more people can have great, uh, hopefully biblical content to keep us centered on the Lord and seeking to serve and obey Him. So I hope this passage has been encouraging for you and I would invite you back next time we'll be studying Hosea chapter 7. God bless. See you then. To see our entire library of over 800 Bible studies, please visit our website at www.studyandobey.com.